Welcome to today's program. We have uh, Helen Knoll, our head coach and the field hockey team at Michigan State, and Abby Barker, former field hockey All-American and a physician assistant currently working in the Columbus, Ohio area. And uh, I'm Bill Beekman, uh, Vice President and Athletic Director at Michigan State, and we're very excited to, to have a fun program today. Um, you know, we had... Uh, Helen, we had talked about uh, having you on uh, earlier, but with conflicts, and uh, and so now you're you're the uh, you're the the the, uh, the lead of the uh, of the the sort of pandemic version of our show, uh, which uh, which is a little a little uh, disjointed because we're all remote and can't actually see each other. But uh, let me ask you, what uh, what kinds of things uh, have you been able to do? Um, remotely from home to keep your uh, your team engaged and to keep everybody uh, sort of on the same page uh, where, where typically you'd be seeing a lot more of them? Sure. Well, I think it's been a, an evolution as information has changed and, you know, time has passed. And I think at first when everybody left campus, uh, we weren't sure, you know, how long this was going to be for and what the rules were going to be. And with the NCAA allowing us to have, you know, what we call our CARA hours or eight hours, um, we've been doing quite a lot virtually through the month of May, which, to be honest, is a little weird for me. Um, usually, end of April, we finish our spring practice, and then May, I'm usually gone every weekend in May. So my family is adjusting to having me home all the time, which I think has its pros and cons. Um, and we've been doing a tactical film with, with the team in small groups. We've had leadership meetings. We've had kind of individual check-ins and wellness checks. Um, so it's really about just staying connected, uh, making sure that, you know, people are having good solid conversation it's really easy just to say how you're doing good uh versus asking some more deep and meaningful conversations and just checking into how everybody's doing and a pulse for how they're feeling being home and any kind of concerns and worries they have for returning to campus and obviously still trying to um keep our eye on the prize for the fall whatever our season's going to look like well hopefully we will uh hopefully we'll have a robust season i uh i spend most mornings uh, connecting with the Big Ten athletic directors, and uh, as we plan for the fall, we're we're sure very hopeful that uh, that that all of our fall sports can can have a robust season, and that's that's what we're planning for as of today. So hopefully that will come to pass. Um, Abby, uh, welcome to the program. Um, y- you have a really extraordinary history uh, with MSU athletics. As the uh, in our MSU field hockey uh, program, fourth in career goals, fourth in career points, a three-time All-American, a three-time academic All-Big Ten honoree, uh, as a junior, the Big Ten tournament MVP, and uh, and led the team to an Elite Eight appearance in the NCAA tournament. So that's just a, an extraordinary uh, track record. What? What what was your uh, your favorite memory as a Spartan? Uh, what what uh, when when you think back on the on your time on campus, what uh, what what uh, what comes to mind? Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, there are so many things that I you know think back on and cherish all the memories. I guess my favorite um, memory uh, in terms of uh, field hockey was when, um, we were down here in Columbus, my hometown, um, on, you know, the Buckeyes field. And we were able to, um, come back from a 
2-0 halftime deficit uh, to beat Iowa and win the Big Ten Tournament uh, championship in front of all my friends and family. So I think that's my favorite field hockey memory. Um, but obviously, I have a lot of memories from campus, um, you know, creating relationships and friendships with all the people that I was able to meet through, you know, the great opportunity of, you know, being able to be a Spartan and play field hockey. So um, definitely a lot of great memories that I cherish. So a little bit out of the box question, but uh, my recollection is that uh, you wore number five when you played. A- any uh, a- any uh, uh, re- reason for that? Any special meaning? You know what? I think um, I started as a soccer player when I was younger, and I was always number three. And I think through high school, I can't remember if I was number three or number five, maybe number three, but um, when Helen had emailed us, she said, you know, what, what number do you guys want? And I think number three or whatever, you know, number I used to be that I really liked uh, as a soccer player and a high school field hockey player was already taken. So I'm pretty sure five was the only single digit jersey number left. So that's kind of the story behind that. <laughs> I, I always enjoy asking that question because you, you get everything from, no, that's what they gave me and it was on the jersey to really deep, thoughtful, esoteric answers and points in between. So, Yeah, and now it's funny because my um, now it's kind of become my little siblings' favorite numbers as well. My brother plays club lacrosse at Ohio University, and he's number five. And um, unfortunately, my little sister that now plays field hockey, she's a, uh, about to be a sophomore in high school. She wanted to be number five, but unfortunately, I think the only number they had left for her was in the 30s. So... Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't quite as lucky, but um, maybe someday she'll she'll uh, she'll uh, be lucky enough to get that number five one day. So we'll see. Very cool, very cool. So um, so when did you know that you were interested in in the medical profession as a career path? So it was kind of a natural decision for me, I would say. My dad is actually an orthopedic surgeon here in Columbus, so you know, as a young child, he would take me and my siblings, we'd go to the hospital, uh, do some rounds with him when he was still um, uh, taking call in the hospital. So I kind of already had that um, mindset as a kid. And I was always into the sciences and math and stuff like that in school. So I uh, I'd kind of thought that I was going to go to med school. But I, I, I didn't really have, um, you know, I went into MSU um, knowing that I was going to do some kind of like biology, ended up getting my degree in kinesiology, but my dad had actually hired a PA physician assistant, um, I think when I was in high school. And then we worked with um, Mike Strauss on our team. He was a PA that worked with the athletic training team. So I think once I kind of found out what a PA was and um, was able to shadow and get some experiences, that kind of resonated more with me. So I guess I could, I kind of always knew I was going to go into medicine in some form, but I just didn't know kind of what form that was. Um, but once I kind of found out what a PA was, that definitely resonated more with me. And, um, you know, it just was kind of a um, natural path to that decision. So, so I have to tell you, I was... Uh... I had an uncle who was a lawyer, and I had really always thought I would be a lawyer from a very early age, and uh, and and got a degree. I was getting a degree at MSU in political philosophy that would sort of be the appropriate undergraduate degree for being a lawyer. And when I got into my, my late late in my junior year, I thought, well, maybe it would be really interesting to be a doctor. So 
so my senior year, I took the introductory uh, chemistry course, which which was then taught on uh, cassette tapes, and and I got a two point, and I immediately went back to lawyer mode. I, uh, I discovered that uh, that the sciences maybe weren't quite my thing at the college level. So, uh, so um, Abby, one of the things that I uh, uh, talk about when I when I uh, talk to to Rotary or Kiwanis groups or alumni groups, uh, we talk about what is the definition of a Spartan, and and I always say that a Spartan is is a person that makes their world a better place and whatever whatever capacity that might be. And, and uh, there, there are, uh, there are very various ways to do that, but it seems like you've uh, really found your niche uh, making your part of the world a better place. And uh, what, what have been the, the, the challenges or what's your experience been like being on the front lines of this pandemic? So it's definitely been uh, an interesting time. I, you know, I actually remember, um, so I work in the emergency department and I remember there was a little, uh, a little piece of just like eight by 11 paper that was hung up near one of, um, one of the, um, desks that I work at. And, and it said something to the, uh, along the lines of if any patient has like upper respiratory symptoms and has, you know, recently traveled to Wuhan, China, like there's a new virus or something like that. And it was kind of just this big piece of paper and no one had really said anything. I didn't really heard anything about it. I just kind of saw it and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And this is back in, you know, October, November, something like that. And I remember kind of seeing that and, you know, kind of sloughing it off and saying, okay, okay. Um, not really sure what that's about, but now the fact that, you know, it is here and it's real and, you know, I'm seeing patients, you know, with COVID, um, it's, it's just so interesting how, you know, things have changed. And um, just from, you know, um, thinking about our, you know, protective equipment to different procedures and protocols that have been in place. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just like, as a staff, kind of adapting to, you know, what we're hearing from, you know, our you know, nation's top medical experts to, you know, our own administration making protocols that, um, you know, to keep, you know, our staff and patients safe. Um, I think just being able to be, um, you know, willing to adapt to the situations and, you know, it's a daily, it's a, you know, it change, things change daily. We get an email daily about, you know, X, Y, Z, kind of what are we doing right? What do we need to do better? Um, you know, what, what PP, how, how much PPE we have left or kind of the changes to what PPE we should, we should be wearing. So I think kind of the biggest challenge is, um, you know, adapting to all the new information that's coming in so quickly, uh, and then being able to implement it into our practice without, you know, with, you know, trying to make things as smooth as possible, which, you know, sometimes can be a little complicated in, um, an emergency department, but I think, um, you know, as we kind of get more comfortable with what's going on, I think it's definitely became, become become more or sorry become less chaotic than it was initially kind of early in March so yeah that does seem to be one of the uh you know, to me one of the fascinating components of this is how things change so incredibly quickly and uh you know just literally from day to day as new information becomes available as protocols improve um, the 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 lack of PPE or uh, you know equipment, the 
the abundance in some places of equipment, the, the lack of ventilators in some space versus uh, enough in other, other places. And uh, it, it, it seems to be uh, just sort of evolving almost as we speak. And I, I, uh, I take calls from, uh, from the media from time to time, and they're asking, well, are we going to play football? And, and when are we going to start? And it's kind of like, well, folks, that's two months away. And, and in, in this universe, that seems like three lifetimes away. So it's, uh, you know, things are just evolving so, so quickly. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's difficult too, because obviously, you know, I'm, you know, a big sports fan and all that stuff, but um, then, you know, seeing the other side, seeing the sick patients, you know, we've had, you know, patients come in and, you know, you know, respiratory distress and they, you know, are, you know, they're facing, you know, the virus. And I don't think people, um, you know, it's hard to understand if you don't see both sides of it. So um, it's, you know, been really interesting to, you know, as scary as it is sometimes, um, it's really interesting to see kind of um, the, the process of all this, because, you know, I work with some of the doctors, you know, have done this for 20, 30 years, and they've never seen this. And, um, so it's just, it's, it's a very interesting time, obviously. And, um, you know, I, we're very fortunate in Columbus, like that we haven't really had, um, we've always been preparing for what we call like the surge. Um, you know, our, our volumes in the ED and in the hospital have been about, I think our president had just said maybe down like to 40% of what they usually are. I usually work 10 hour shifts, but, um, we've just had low volume. So I've been working eight hour shifts instead of 10 hours. Um, so, and, you know, we just don't have the same volume as we usually do. Um, I could, you know, in 10 hours, I see like 16 to 20 patients usually, and I've been seeing some days less than 10. So, um, you know, I, I feel very, yeah, I feel very, you know, lucky that, and, you know, I'm very thankful for everyone that's, you know, stayed home and listened to, you know, what our government has been saying. And, um, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, we have, we haven't got to the point where I, what I kind of feared was, you know, we had, you know, patients coming in every moment in respiratory distress and we were, you know, overwhelmed. We haven't, you know, hit that point, which I'm very thankful for. So. Yeah, no. And, and the, uh, uh, Ohio governor was one of the, I think, you know, early actors in all of this. And, uh, and so hopefully that has been, you know, that's, that's been helpful in that state. I think certainly, uh, uh, although she's taken uh, uh, you know, a bit of a, of a hit from some circles, uh, I think Governor Whitmer, uh, you know, stepping in early certainly has uh, has has helped Michigan turn the corner. So that you know that early action hopefully has helped. Uh, Helen, let me uh, let me ask you. Um, you know, one of the things that you've heard me talk about in our in our various. Uh, meetings with the athletic department is one of our, our key goals. One of the things that drives us is to ensure student athlete success, not only on the field of play, but in the classroom and, and in their life's pursuit as well. And uh, yeah, obviously talking with, with Abby, who's a, a person who was very gifted athletically, but has also made a great difference uh, in, in, uh, in Columbus, in her corner of the world, what are the things that, uh, yeah, how, how, do, how, how do we work on that proactively from a head coach's perspective? Well, it's, it's funny. I think every time, you know, you have an opportunity like this to 
chat with one of your with your alums and former players who you now call a friend, um, you always have to reflect back on the recruiting process. And I, I still remember Abby's visit and her dad. I was driving one of the sprinter vans and her dad's sitting in the front with me and we're just chatting about life and we're talking about um, their family dynamic and, you know, Abby being the oldest child and um, how for he, you know, he was a doctor and the life that he had and then her vision and really supportive home network that just wanted her to thrive. And I think that when I look at athletes when we're recruiting them to campus, it's so much of it's got to do with the recruiting process, getting to know the families, getting to know who they are as a person, what makes them tick? How are they wired? Are they self-motivated? Do they need a little, you know, kick in the butt to get moving? Um, how are they in the academic front? What do they like to do socially? I think all these things play a part on who and why you bring people to campus. And I think, you know, with Ab, she was a gifted athlete. She was, you know, great student. Um, never had to ask her to do anything twice. You know, she just, she took responsibility to what she had to do to be a student athlete and to be the best. And Abby's probably one of the most driven individuals I've ever coached. You know, she's highly competitive. If it was a pickup game, I would probably want her on my team every single time. Um, so I think that just kind of, it, it, it drove Abby. And I think that when you, when, you know, as coaches were out recruiting, you're meeting these kids, you do reflect back on former athletes that you've had and you think, hmm, okay, they've got a little Abby Barker in them or they've got a little Kristen Hen in them or a little Molly Cassidy or, you know, whoever it might be that's been a part of your program that had great success when they were here. Because um, I think you've got to find the right people that fit the program and also fit our department and our campus. So, Helen, we've uh, we've spent some time talking about uh, program history with uh, with Abby joining us today and and her extraordinary career as a field hockey athlete, and uh, and yet hopefully we will have a field hockey season uh, upon us fairly quickly in uh, in the in the fall. So, uh, what are uh, what are you looking forward to most about the season? Are there particular matchups or games? No, I think it's it's interesting because obviously, we, you know, we had our schedule set and then we've had some games I've had to get kind of rearranged and moved around. And so there's some uncertainty for some of the games. But I think that, um, you know, every year in the Big Ten, it's an absolute battle. And um it doesn't honestly it really doesn't matter which Big Ten opponent. I mean, I think obviously every time you played Michigan's always a big game. Um, but I think it's just the rivalry and the battle of Big Ten games. There's nothing else like it. Um fortunately our schedule was already are already pretty regional, so we don't have to worry too much about, you know, flights and long distance trips that we would be taking this fall. Um, although there were some in the docket for the following year. Um, but I think right now, uh, you know, so many of the girls, the players, even within the coaching community, there's so many questions and about what's going to happen and, and what's fall going to look like. And I think that, I think we're just all ready for something, some type of sense of normalcy to come back. Um, so whether that's getting the girls back to campus and being able to have a conditioning session or even just to see each other in the flesh um, and be together as a, as a, as a team again, I think that's what everyone's really looking forward to the most. Um, and then obviously from there we can, we can build, I think the toughest part for spring when it ended was that we just lost a lot of weeks of development time. We'd had one one day of competition. We missed our other four. So for the girls that either redshirted last fall um, or were kind of coming into their game, they just didn't really get a chance to to play any competition. So I know everyone's eager to compete and get back out there. Um, and then obviously integrating our, our new freshmen to the program and, and seeing where the girls, returning girls that had a great year last year are going to keep improving. 
Super. So I'll uh, wrap wrap this uh, segment of our program up with uh, with a question uh, uh, both for for Helen uh, and for Abby. Um, bo- both of you played uh, collegiate field hockey, but if if you weren't field hockey players, or maybe even if you are, what uh, what what what's your other favorite sport? Are there are there other sports you like to compete in? Oh my gosh, I feel like. I love competing in anything and everything. Um, <laughs> but um, if I had to play another collegiate sport, probably soccer would have been my choice. But um, I've definitely, after I played field hockey, I had a friend on the club ice hockey team that taught me how to play ice hockey. So I had a really a lot of fun playing that. And then I started playing like beach volleyball um, during uh PA school. So I picked that up and really like that. So, um, I, I, I will compete in anything and everything. So <laughs> I, I feel very similar to Abby. If it's got competition, whether it's playing Euchre or playing any sport, I usually am the person that makes others mad because I'm too competitive. Um, but I think, you know, growing up in Scotland, I grew up playing golf and hockey. Those were kind of like my two sports and got to a point about age 14 when my dad said right pick one or the other because this isn't going to really work and I picked hockey even though he tells me to this day that I probably made the wrong decision because maybe I made money playing golf so I I enjoy golf I I don't love it like I love hockey but I think that would be my you know next favorite sport as such in college but like Abby I love ice hockey my nine-year-old son plays and we've built a rink in our yard in the winter and um, I'm not very good at skating. That's my only issue, but I love the sport. I love how fast it is. Um, I think the field hockey field crosses over. Um, so I think ice hockey could definitely be up there. I just have to learn how to skate. I also picked up golf too, which I really enjoy, but it was funny. The first time I played, I started running to my ball and whoever I was playing was with playing with was like, you know, you don't have to run in golf. And I was like, Oh, like, Oh, this is nice. So <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I'm a fairly competitive person, but, but I am, I am a horrible athlete. And, uh, and so one of the things I discovered, uh, early in my time as athletic director was, you know, I'd be hanging out with the coaches and, you know, we, we played golf once we played some tennis and they all, oh, golly, you know, I'm not really good at that. Well, let me tell you, if if they're a Big Ten coach, I don't care what sport they're playing. They're a good athlete, and it translates. And uh, I, I was on the uh, the opposite side of a tennis court from Helen last year and uh, uh, just watching the balls blow by me, you know. So, uh, so uh, well, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for joining our, our show. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, – Abby, continued success. Uh, wishing you all the best in Columbus, and uh, hopefully we will, uh, uh, as time allows, uh, see you back uh, home in East Lansing, and uh, and we'll have a chance to watch some good field hockey. So thanks so much. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thank you.